0: Psalm 115, and we'll be reading the 18 verses of this chapter. Psalm 115, beginning at verse 1, what we hear now is God's Word. Not to us, O Lord, not to us. But to your name give glory, for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. Eyes but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but they do not feel. Feet, but they do not walk. And they cannot make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. O Israel, both small and the great. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence, but we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore praise the lord here we in the reading of god's holy word i invite you to turn to the back of your trinity psalter hymnals to page 889 in the back section page 889 this is lord's day 34 and this morning we're going to read just questions 94 and 95 From page 889, question 94. What does the Lord require in the first commandment? The answer, that I, not wanting to endanger my own salvation, avoid and shun all idolatry, sorcery, superstitious rites, and prayer to saints or to other creatures. That I rightly know the only true God, trust him alone, and look to God for every good thing humbly and patiently, and love, fear, and honor him with all my heart. In short, that I renounce all created things rather than go against God's will in any way. Question 95, what is idolatry? Idolatry is having or inventing something in which one trusts in place of or alongside of the only true God who has revealed himself in his word. Well, this morning we are entering directly into our study of the law of God. We have been preparing for this for the last several weeks. We notice that the law of God is dealt with in the Heidelberg Catechism in the third section. That section that talks about how do we respond to God because of the gift of salvation. It's in the gratitude or the service section. We talked last week about how the law is connected to love. God's love for us to be sure, but it is also our response of love to Him. Because we are recipients of such a great salvation, we say, how can we thank God? How can we show our love for Him? And God gives us His law. How will we use this word of God today to show Him our love? We saw that the law is divided into two main sections, the two tables of the law. The first with four commandments dealing primarily with our relationship to God, and the second, six commandments, primarily our relationship to our neighbor. Of course, these are interrelated, uh, they will overlap in certain points. And we mentioned briefly last week that the first four commands dealing with our relationship to God can all be connected to our worship. And that's where we're going to start this morning with the question Whom. Do you worship? That's the first commandment. Commandments 2 and 3 deal with how we are to worship. And commandment 4 about the Sabbath day, when it is that we worship. The commandments are, are broad in their application. They will not only tell us what is prohibited, what we should not do, but what is prescribed, what it is God is calling us to do. And both of these are important for our response of thanksgiving and love to God because of what He has done for us. So, children, this morning we're starting with the first commandment. And so, I want to make this really easy for you to remember what the first commandment is all about. So, this morning's sermon only has two points. And both of those points start with the letter A. Now, A is the first letter in the alphabet, and we're talking about the first commandment. So when you think about the first commandment, you think about the letter A and the two parts of the sermon. First, what we are not to do, we are to avoid idolatry. We may not have idols. We're to avoid idolatry. And then what we are to do, we are to acknowledge God. The first commandment. So every time I read the commandments on a Sunday morning, kids, you can think about that. Oh, the first commandment, letter A. We're to avoid idolatry. We're to acknowledge God. What is idolatry? What are idols. Well, our psalm in Psalm 115 gives us this description of idols, verse 4. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but don't speak. They have eyes, but don't see. They have ears, but don't hear. They have noses, but don't smell. They have hands, but don't feel. They have feet, but don't walk, and they can't make a sound with their voice. What are idols? Idols are empty, lifeless things. They they have no uh, of the abilities that even a human has. They can't hear, they can't see, they can't smell, they can't touch, they can't walk, they can't do anything. Idols are empty, lifeless things. And I think we often think of idols in terms of, of statues. I mean, think of like a, a cross-legged Buddha, a little gold Buddha. He can't do anything. And I suspect, I suspect, if I went to your homes, I probably wouldn't see statues around the house. Probably wouldn't see those types of idols. But there are other types of idols. Idols, the work of human hands. Those things that we value, those things that are so important to us, they might even be those things in which we place our trust. They can be everyday, ordinary things. My car. I'm so proud of my car, and I wash my car, and I wax my car, and I make sure everything's perfect, and I give so much value to my car, or my boat, or my house, or whatever it might be. Now, these are not gods of silver and gold, not little idol statues. They can be idols, nonetheless. When we are more concerned about a thing than about God, more concerned about a thing than about God, that thing may be becoming an idol for us. Our confession says that uh, idolatry is having or inventing something in which one trusts in place of God. I don't think many of us would say, well, we love our car or our boat or whatever, in place of God. But that's not all the catechism says. Idolatry is having or inventing something in which one places their trust in place of or alongside of the only true God. Those things that that we place alongside of God. We trust God, but but I also trust in other things. I trust God to take care of me, but I also trust in my job. I trust in my bank account. I trust in my 401k that I'll be taken care of. Those things that come alongside of the one true God. Now, idols in themselves... Can be good things, can be fine things, but it is when we raise them to such a high status that they are as important to us or more important to us than the things of God. We have idols in our family rooms. When when being concerned to watch what is on TV is more important than being concerned about having proper family devotions. Let's quick get through devotions because our TV show is starting. That becomes an idol for us. Our idols are found in our workshops. When we are more concerned about having the latest tool and knowing how to use that, then we are concerned about deepening our knowledge of who God is and what he has done. Our idols are found in our offices and in our studies. When we are more concerned with our books about God's word than the word of God itself. Idols can be good things. When we elevate them to the place where they are so important to us, that they rival our devotion to God. Idols can be other people. They can be our relationships. You know, my my boyfriend, my girlfriend, they're just not comfortable coming to our church. They're just not comfortable with our, our style of worship, so I think I'll go someplace else with them. That has the danger. Of becoming an idol. When, when we are willing to give up God's standards, when we're willing to give up God's standards of purity for the sake of a boyfriend or a girlfriend, that may becoming an idol to us. When the, when the approval of our friends is more important then honoring our parents, then our friends are, may, are becoming an idol to us. Oh, we speak with respect to our parents when we're talking to them, but when they aren't around and we, we are with our friends and we talk our, about our parents, how do we talk about them? And if we, if we join in the crowd just to be a part of the crowd, then that crowd of fri- friends are becoming an idol to us rather than honoring God and His Word. Idolatry, anything that comes in place of or alongside of the one true God. God calls us, number one children, to avoid idolatry. Why does he say that? Why are we to avoid idolatry? Well, if for no other reason than the fact God commanded it. I often think we want to get too far um, behind God's thinking. Why did God say this? The simple fact is he said it. And God knows what is best for us. And that should be sufficient. God has said, trust in me alone. Look at verse 9. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. O you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. What's the point, children? Trust in the Lord. That's God's command. Not anything else. And even if that's all that we had, that would be sufficient. God has commanded us. Avoid idolatry. Trust in the Lord. But beyond that, there is a wonderful blessing. There is blessing for us in keeping this command of God. Notice what the author says in verse 8. After describing these lifeless idols, he says in verse 8, those who make them become like them and so do all who trust in them idolatry leads to death those who make these empty worthless lifeless things those who make them become like them empty worthless lifeless how does our confession begin this discussion What does God require in the first commandment? That I, not wanting to endanger my own salvation, my eternal life, avoid and shun all idolatry. Keeping this command is a matter of life and death. In fact, I would go so far to say that if we get this command wrong, of honoring God alone, none of the other ones really matter. If we do not know who the one true God is and honor him with our lives, then the other is just window dressing. Everything else, every idol leads to death. O people of God, trust in the Lord because he has commanded it and because he is your help and shield. There is blessing, there is life in following the command of God. Look at verse 17. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence, but we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Those who make them will be like them, lifeless, empty, dead, and the dead don't praise God. But those who've been given new life by God, those who know Him, will respond with praise will respond with worship. You shall have no other gods before me. What does that mean, kids? First of all, avoid idolatry. Second, second it means acknowledge God. Again, from our confession, question 94, what does the first command require? That I rightly know The only true God. Trust him alone and look to God for every good thing. That I know him, I acknowledge him, and I trust him alone. He is the only God. There are times when the Psalter talks about the gods of the nations, but they are described as idols, as lifeless. But our God made the heavens. He's alive. He's powerful. There is no other God. There is no other true God than the God of Scripture, than the God who's revealed himself in his holy word. And he is the only one. He is the only one who is able to save us from our sins. The gods of the nation's idols, lifeless, worthless, can't do anything. Can you imagine, kids, an idol that can't even walk or talk or do anything itself? Can that idol do anything for us? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But our God is in heaven, all-powerful, and that God can do all things that please Him. He does everything according to His perfect will, and God has chosen to save a people for His very own. God has chosen to send His Son, Jesus Christ, to come down and offer up his life to remove all of our sins, to send his son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life that his righteousness might be credited to us. Jesus Christ has done everything necessary to bring us into that loving relationship with God. So the call goes out again this morning, acknowledge him. Acknowledge the one true God who has saved His people through His Son, Jesus Christ. Put your faith and your hope and your trust in Him. Acknowledge that God. There is no other. Any other God is a pretender to the one true God, the God who made the heavens and earth, the God who is our Redeemer. Acknowledge God alone, and acknowledge God totally, with heart and soul, And mind and strength. Verse 12, the Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear him. Acknowledging God with heart and soul and mind and strength is the path of blessing. There is blessing in walking in the way of God, doing what he says in every part of our life in our work life, in our home life. The, the, the author says, May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. Walking in the way of God, committing to Him totally and completely is the path of blessing. Blessing for us and blessing for our children. I think we forget that sometimes. The actions that we take will affect our children. The decisions that we make as parents, the spiritual decisions we make, will affect our children. Your choice as parents to come here to worship this morning has an effect on your children. Your choice to say we will begin this day in the house of the Lord will have a spiritual effect upon them. Your decision of whether you return to worship this evening will have a spiritual effect on your children. They will see what you value. They will see what you regard as important. The decisions we make as parents have consequences in the life of our children. We are to acknowledge God totally with heart and soul and mind and strength. And we are to acknowledge God deliberately. Our confession says, In short, that I renounce all created things rather than go against God's will in any way. A deliberate choice to follow Him. Deliberate devotion to God. Renouncing any created thing. That's where the psalmist begins. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to Your name give glory. To to acknowledge God deliberately is to recognize He is God, and I am not. I so often want to put myself at the center. Me, and my, and mine are all that's important. But To deliberately, purposefully acknowledge God, we say not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. You are the one who gets all the glory and the honor and the praise life is not first of all about me and mine It is about God and all that he has done you shall have no other gods before me the first commandment children and we think of the letter A we are to avoid idolatry avoid putting so much Emphasis, so much value on the things, those things made by human hands that it might crowd out the place of God in our lives. We are to avoid idolatry. We are to acknowledge God. As the only true God, we are to acknowledge Him with heart and soul and mind and strength and deliberately live in a way that brings praise to Him and not praise to us. May God help us to show him our love by keeping this command. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we do acknowledge you. You are the God who made the heavens and the earth. You are the God who has redeemed a people for your very own. You are the God who has called us to place our trust in you. Lord God, if there are Idols creeping into our lives. Those things that we value in place of you or even alongside of you, remove them from us, we pray. May we be totally devoted in every part of our life with heart and soul and mind and strength, deliberately seeking to bring all praise and glory to you. We are weak and we are frail, and so we pray for your Holy Spirit that we might be able to show you our love as we seek to keep your law. Hear as we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We turn to number 174, and we started uh, learning this last week. We're going to continue this week. Number 174, this setting of the Ten Commandments, and this morning we're going to sing, once again, just verse 1. And verse 2 and verse 9, verses 1 and 2 and 9 of 174, let's stand together as we sing.